0: 5 to 10 for that. Hello and welcome to episode 85 of Tendy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. I am your host, Joe, better known as Washed Up Goalie on social media. This week, I chat with gold medal winning Paralympian Team USA goalie, Jen Lee. Some of you may have heard of Jen when someone stole his medals right out of his car before having a change of heart in returning them. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Jen. Well, Jen, thanks for uh, joining me on the podcast. I'm actually pretty excited to get you on here. Um, One one of my um, goals with the podcast is to talk to goalies of all ages and skill levels, but that also means not just, you know, male able-bodied goalies. So I've been really focusing this year on having, you know, more female goalies. And then then I was really excited to get you on because you are unlike any other goalie I've had on the podcast, you are a sled hockey goalie, which is really awesome. Um, And not only that, but you are a U.S. gold medal winning uh, sled hockey goalie, which is even cooler for me.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, thank you, Joe, uh, for having me on the show. Uh, but yeah, it just um, you know, like you said, you know, I, I play play a goalie. Goaltending is my position as well, except mine's just going to be a little bit different. You know, it's pair yeah. ice hockey now; they call it these days uh, or sled hockey. But uh, the concept's still the same, right? Uh, the net, uh, the size doesn't change. The the rink, the ice rink sizes doesn't change at all either. So the game's still the same, uh, except we're just, we're just finding different ways to stop a puck. You know?
0: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Now, before we get into like the whole sled hockey side of things um you play sled hockey because uh you lost your leg uh so before we learn about that were you into hockey before the accident or was it something you discovered after the accident is you know a way to so stay active
1: yeah no um i actually grew up playing hockey as well just okay yeah just not like college level or even high school level uh West Coast. I grew up in, in the West Coast, a little background. Uh my family and I my family and I immigrated from Taiwan, you know. So uh we grew up in California, San Francisco Bay Area. And um it was like roller and inline hockey became bigger in the 90s uh because I think to yes. me Mighty Ducks. I watched the Mighty Ducks and I got into hockey because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: Well and then in, in, I mean out in California we had Pro Beach Hockey at that time with the that yeah. crazy ramp behind the neck. ESPN's missing a chance to bring that back, and you know, oh my gosh, uh, I know somebody there. Yeah, I
1: know. You can at least put. I'm They they can definitely put down the ocho. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, how cool was it too? Because I mean, they had it on the beach, and you got these people walking down. I'm assuming it was probably Venice Beach or something. And then, like, okay, you got this game going on.
1: Right. It it should be part of the Summer
0: X Games at least.
1: Yeah, and the vibe is just so great. And uh you, you see like amazing footwork too by inline roller hockey players. You yeah, know, and I think and I think a lot of people who I mean hockey in the hockey world, right, people know that, but like and, and if you're looking at the bigger round, you know, people do doesn't know sometimes that hey, you actually transition easier or better uh to ice ice hockey as an inline roller. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it, it was funny when I was in high school, every day after school, uh a bunch of my teammates and I we would meet up at the uh little grade school right next to our high school because they had a beautiful blacktop parking lot and we would play roller hockey until the sun went down or we had hockey practice. And our coach would just get so mad. He's like, you guys are playing too much damn roller hockey because your turns just take forever. You know, because that is the one thing with roller hockey is you can't make the tight turn like you can on ice. And he's like, it's, it's, it's ruining the way you guys skate. And we're like, Oh, no. Um, But yeah. So, you know, you said you're growing up in California in the 90s. We had the Mighty Ducks. You had Gretzky out in L.A., um, but hockey was still quite a niche sport. So how, how did you discover it? Was it
1: really just the movie and you're like, I, I want to try this out? Um, no, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> definitely, uh, it wasn't just a movie, right? It, it has to bit yeah. that everybody kind of uh, played a role. It definitely was during around the summertime and uh parking rec and stuff like that there's always like activities going around you know mm-hmm. going on after school or summer school around that time and yeah and then th- I just saw I Remember watching a bunch of kids just playing uh you know stick you know like stick ball you know in a way they're playing in a schoolyard playing roller and then next thing you know like the the crowds got bigger and bigger and then you, every time you walk by uh you know the after school and you see that you kind of just draw it into that so really that's really kind of like my initial and then then a guy named Rachel Solomon, where uh, he is actually more of, like, a hockey fanatic and, and whatnot. Uh, he was the kid that, that really kind of got me into the uh, into playing hockey and everything else. And and afterwards, it was like goaltending was a position that I just, like, realized I wasn't good at skating. And, then, you know, they we're <laughs> like, we're just going to put you in front of the net. You know, there's always... There's always like a you know there's the goalie position is always open right it's always there's something available yeah. for that.
0: <laughs> so, so you're you're playing, you know, street hockey essentially in the nineties. I'm gonna guess you probably wore those glorious Mylek <laughs> leg pads that we all had that left the toes open. So oh yeah totally. Are, you know it would probably be okay for you now because on your one foot you got probably titanium toes. <laughs> uh, and you wouldn't feel it anymore, but it was like God. I, I just remember coming home with you know bruised up toes. It's like, what am I doing to myself?
1: Oh yeah, totally. Those were like, and those were like big five sporting goods, you know, like brand too. You know, the one that comes like in a box and then everything is compacted down, and then here comes the free, you know, the the set right, the blocker, catcher, yeah, and whatnot, yeah. So uh, I remember just wearing those things, and then sometimes even mixed with like uh, baseball equipment. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's very like very much like Sandlot on uh with with stick and puck or you know, stick and ball. It, it,
0: that's exactly what it was. And I mean it, there was just something about that era of the nineties because you had the Mighty Ducks come out and then you had that wonderful movie Wayne's World with you know they're playing street hockey and game right. off, game on, and it was just like that was the vibe, not just in California. I was in Chicago, we had the same vibe. And it was like yeah. you you'd go to by the park and for whatever reason, the tennis courts never had nets. So this roller hockey players just took over the tennis courts. Oh, it's like, it's a yeah. beautiful, pa- you know, yeah. flat paved area. And then you got the chain link all around. So you don't have to go chasing the ball when it's out of, out of uh, play. It was just like, yeah. And like you said, you go by one day and there's, you know, six kids out there. The next day there's ten kids. And then before you know it, you got enough for two, three teams and you're just taking turns. And,
1: yeah, no, totally. It's it's definitely like uh, – definitely there was a lot of uh, pickup games happening at the tennis courts. Yeah, because it was just the only place that was kind, of, <laughs> kind of like available unless you go to the basketball court. But, like, you go to the basketball court, it would be taken over by noon, right, because there are actually going to be more people playing over there on the basketball yep. court. So they yeah, I have some I, good memories back what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I, I
0: remember growing up uh we had paved alleys in Chicago, but there was like this groove right in the middle of the alley for drainage. And so we would play in the alley uh by my buddy's house. And right behind his house was actually a funeral home. And they had this great big, beautiful, brand new uh paved blacktop parking lot. And mm-hmm. the one day the mortician p- Came on, He's like, why are you guys playing in the alley? Why aren't you playing in the parking lot? And we're like, mm-hmm. well, it's not ours. And he's like, well, as long as we don't have services going on, you're welcome to use the parking lot. And it was great because there was a brick oh. wall on the one side. So yeah. that's what we're shooting against. And oh. we're like, this is awesome. Man. It's just yeah. aw-. But the problem was, like, this time of summer, he'd be working in the embalming room and he would crack a door open. To get a nice breeze in, right. and every now and then the ball would Roll wind out. up in the embalming room, and then everybody's looking at each other like,
1: I'm Good not theory. going to
0: get it. So it's like <laughs> playing, you know, rock, paper, scissor to figure out who, right. who's going to get it. And every once in a while, you, you'd hear kind of a chuckle because he mm-hmm. noticed the ball was in there and then it would just kind of come rolling right. out of the embalming room. So it was like Yeah. yeah. We, we always brought an extra uh street hockey ball or two just in case one went in there. Cause nobody wanted to knock on the door and maybe see something because of that. So yeah, awesome. yeah. <laughs> you, you discover the game, you know, on pavement. Um, yeah. W- when did you transfer over onto ice? Was it after the accident or was it uh, beforehand where you said, you know, let, let's, let's try this ice thing.
1: Yeah, no, totally. So uh... It wasn't. It was my first time after I was injured in two thousand nine, and when I got transferred to a rehabilitation center here in San Antonio, Texas, uh, it's like a military rehab facility for mm-hmm. uh, people with permanent injuries, physically uh, physical injuries, you know, like myself, amputee. Uh, it was like uh, the therapeutic sport, pair ice hockey or sled hockey, was was you know re- introduced to us and asked we were like to participate. But it was like an all night sport and that itself it was totally brand new to me. Um, I was, I had no idea how even that concept worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So
0: let's talk about the accident. So even before the accident, you, you decided, uh, to sign up for our military and serve our country, which is just awesome. Um, what branch were you in by the way? Uh, army, U S army. Okay. okay. Very cool. Uh, good friends of ours. Their son, uh, He's in the army. He's finishing college this year and then he'll be uh active duty uh infantry. Oh, he was, cool. uh and my nephew is currently in I think he's in week three or week four boot camp at uh, Great Lakes for the Navy. So oh, maybe, yeah, that's uh,
1: Great Lakes, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it
0: it was really funny because my nephew came over the night before he was going off to boot camp and you know, give us some hugs and everything and He's like, well, I got to leave. I got to go to my mom's house. And we're like, oh, that's nice. He's like, no, I I just, I need her to clip my fingernails. And we kind of looked at him and we're like, you're 18 years old. He's like, well, I can clip them. She just does a really nice job. And we're like, that's sweet on one end, but like, you're going to boot camp tomorrow. You cannot say things like that anymore, (laughs) buddy.
1: And he's like, I know. (laughs) Being in the last Uh, month, you know, the, the parents love and all that before. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, yeah, no, I hear ya. No. no. <laughs> oh, sorry, Joe. I, I got the uh, the volume. I all of a sudden I lost the volume. I don't know why. I apologize. Yeah, that's. Weird. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't... Can you hear me? Okay, that's... Weird. Oh, there we go. It's back. Yeah, it, yeah. It just, all of a sudden, I just lost audio. I was like, what happened? Yeah. Sorry about that.
0: On my end, my mic every now and then, it's, it's pretty finicky. And if I just tap it, the cord comes out. Uh,
1: oh, okay. Oh, no worries. Yeah,
0: but uh, for my nephew, because COVID restrictions, they only get four tickets to the graduation right now. Uh, oh, and okay. his parents are uh divorce. So obviously they're each gonna come and bring and grandparents should be there before us on top of that. So we said, All right, we'll come down to Chicago graduation weekend. And after the graduation, we're gonna take you out for dinner. And he's like, all right, I'm down for that. <laughs> um nice. But uh so so you you join the military, you're serving our country, and I, I think some people listening they they hear, you know, you're an amputee and they're they're probably thinking, you know, was a combat but uh in my reading it was a motorcycle accident correct
1: yeah yeah it was it was a motorcycle accident back in uh 2009 i was stationed in savannah georgia at that time Um, but then my accident happened in florida jacksonville florida where i was riding back with uh of my other colleague or other motorcycle buddies yeah that was also in the military with me Mm mm-hmm
0: you know, it's interesting you say that, it, you know, you are on leave and, and it happened because I, I was talking to um, our friend whose son is in the Army. He was a 20-year uh, Navy carrier pilot. And he said, you know, most of the injuries he saw of his uh, colleagues through his 20 years was while they were on leave, not in combat. Uh, it's just kind of crazy how that happens, you know. But um, you get in the accident, you, you lose the leg Um, what were, at that point, I mean, what are you thinking, you know, of what the future holds for you at that point?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, like very, very great point you brought up earlier, just, uh, you know, where your buddy says he solves more, uh, leave accident or, you know, like nine to combat and stuff like that. Cause I think the statistics at that time coming back from, uh, downrange, uh, we call it downrange, like a combat theater, right? um, Or, uh, like a deployment trip, you know, uh, I think it's like where every, every one out of five return will, you know, just get an accident or something, but most likely a motorcycle. So the statistic is definitely like similar to what your buddy's saying. Hey, I see more like vehicular accident and all that stuff. So again, like circle back for sure. You know, it was just a typical Saturday riding, um, you know, Where four of us, I mean, five of us like to ride and we have ridden before in different places or to different cities. I think uh, we have ridden to South Carolina as well and Helen Head and and whatnot. So, you know, when the accident happened, definitely was something that was just, you know, could I, basic questions I asked myself, could I even walk again? Can I even run again? Can I continue to serve my country? You know, and uh, Mm -hmm. those things were definitely, uh, you know, was playing around and, I was wondering, hey, if this is even possible. So right. in a way, I call it one chapter, close, open, another, but I had no idea what that chapter was going to look like in a way. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, I, my grandfather, uh, later on in life, he had hardening of the arteries, and he wound up having both legs amputated just below the knee, not at the same time. So that, when he was going in to have his second one amputated, he made us take his prosthetic and hold on to it in the – um waiting room and we're a family that, you know, has dark humor. So my uncle set it on the coffee table because this waiting room, like you had to walk oh, okay. through yeah. it to get the most places in the hospital. So he sets it on the coffee table with the lampshade on top, like in oh, okay. the Christmas yeah. story. Christmas story yeah. So that got a lot of looks. Um, Cause of course I believe it was around Christmas time too. So that that was funny. But then after the surgery and they transferred to the rehab facility The nurse comes in, and this poor guy didn't know what he was in for. The nurse looks at my grandpa. He goes, you know, we like to set goals for what you want to do when you leave the rehab facility. You know, do you have any heavy thought of any? And my grandpa, he's sitting there, thinks for a minute. He goes, you know, I always wanted to be a jockey, but I was too tall. But I suppose I meet the height requirement now. And this (laughs) poor nurse just, like, looking around at all of us, like, uh <laughs> what what do I do and we're like, yeah that sounds like a good idea grandpa
1: <laughs> <laughs> God you know
0: yeah. his thing was you know I can sit here and feel sorry for myself or I can uh face it with uh humor and mm-hmm. accept it and move forward and le- learn how to move on and that's what he did
1: Yeah totally I think everyone has a different way of how to how they see how they handle you know with these type of traumatic events or situation uh but for for me luckily i have you know and like like you said it's um uh, sense of humor is a huge thing especially i think in the military where I, I i think we were pretty open or have a thicker skin or just more blunt about certain things you know so i have like witness uh you know my fellow amputee who i read a lot rehab alongside with like where they ended up like drinking out of it, you know, their prosthetic Mm -hmm. leg, you know, they have beer pouring in a (laughs) socket and and that's so cool. Right. But then like, then you see other people got into it at a, at a bar somewhere and everybody jump on the bandwagon and start drinking out of their leg. And that to me, I'm like, I don't know if I've ever drinking out of anyone's leg or a man's <laughs> leg, but that's so cool, you know? <laughs> you know but, yeah, my yeah. own maybe, but not yeah, somebody man, else's. Even, yeah, even maybe, like my sock is a little bit pretty high up to the groin area, but like, you know, like <laughs> I may have to do a little wipes or something, a little sanitizer, right? But um, but totally, uh, but it definitely had to take uh, like you mentioned, you know one of those like, hey, are you gonna continue to make uh make excuses or feel sorry for yourself you know where and, and I don't think anyone can take that away from it, right where it's like hey if you do lose a leg and, and you may just feel that way and no one can understand you and it, and it's, you're totally right because uh, I remember there were times uh, at the beginning when I lost my leg where I have an able body where it's like missing two legs it' gonna be like, oh, you're gonna be okay or Oh, you know, things, you know, like just these encouraging things. I'm like, what do you know? You know, like, you right. know, it's your leg, you know, but, uh, right. it took right. some, right. And it just took some of that understanding, but, uh, definitely was really helped as well where I rehab alongside with the uh, guys who came back from combat theater, like, you know, Marines, mm-hmm. army guys. Uh, there were special operators as well that was there, uh, different men's and women's service members that really put their harm in the way in, front of, in the front line, at the front line came back and, and tried to go back to kick down, uh, kicking doors, continue to kick doors out there that heavily, injured heavily. You know? Yeah. I remember my
0: grandpa, his biggest thing was he would complain that his toes still itched. Oh, pain, hit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he would get that all the mm-hmm. time. And, and my mom would go to
1: his prosthetic leg and scratch his toes. He goes, oddly, it feels mm-hmm. better. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy about that is like someone told me and I didn't I didn't believe it, but they're like if you actually had your leg amputated today and you had no knowledge what a phantom pain or if that doesn't like instill in your brain or imprint in your brain, you actually wouldn't have the pain or the the itch. Yeah, but oh, it's really? once yeah, it's like once it tells you psychologically, then it's almost like, Oh my god, now I didn't feel like there's an itch or my leg is twisted or however, yeah, or, or yeah. Crazy. It's, it's,
0: yeah. <laughs> So, you know, p- post-accident at the rehab mm-hmm. facility, they, they bring up sled hockey to you. Um, yeah. I've seen the videos where they bring NHL guys out there in the sleds and it doesn't go well for them. Uh, what was it like that first time they put you in the sled, you're out there? You pro- can't even use the term like a deer learning how to walk, but, you know, kind of the same thing. You're just kind of all over that That first time on the ice yeah, what, what were you thinking, or, or did it just like was it like the first time I skated, where I'm like, I suck at this, but this was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, no, I I'm I, I still remember it like it was yesterday. You know, the uh, the program was definitely the sled hockey program that was offered. It was it was introduced initially by Operation Comfort, which is a local nonprofit organization that helps uh, injured and wounded service members here locally. And they brought it up to the military facility at the center for the Intrepid. and and uh, when they told me to go over there and, and just to try it out uh, first time in the, in the local ice rink. First, I was just like, "There's an ice rink in San Antonio? It's like Texas. It's like 100 degrees. <laughs> like, you know, like I was just thinking like maybe this is a joke. Maybe they're just like, hey, like it's the visual, you're on the ice, but you're actually not, you know. And then yeah, uh, and I actually went there was an actual ice rink, uh, Northwoods Ice Hockey Center, Ice and Golf Center, and yeah. I, I was really over, I can, I think just being able to play hockey again gave me that sense of like that goosebumps or that, that excitement as well, because it's been a while. You know, I haven't touched the gears or, or involved in anything that I still has to do with hockey since like, uh, high school in a way. And then, yeah. and then you know, I joined the service. So, uh, when I got on the ice for the first time, it just felt great. It just felt so free. And then I think it's, I think that's the word that can describe because the first time where, uh, you may be limited from running. You may be limited from all of your mobility because your your physical injuries, right? When you're on the ice, you're just colliding and you're just feeling that little chill, that wind. Uh, you just knew that kind of felt really good. You know, you wasn't sure how the whole thing would play out, but then you know that 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 enjoyment did only last about two seconds because immediately I just tipped over and I fell. You know, what I mean, I'm just <laughs> like, oh my goodness, <laughs> it is Damn. So I was like, what is this? You know, how's this possible? And um, and then yeah, you just realize that this is actually uh, going to be a very challenging, a tough sport to to either start or stay on, you know, if you have the patience.
0: Yeah, no, it, it makes total sense. And it, I mean. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL is giving new customers a can't-miss Offer to celebrate the return of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just five dollars and get two hundred dollars in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for week one, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by ten at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 and free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. The, the other thing in warrior teams are they're kind of exploding in the game of hockey, these warrior teams for veterans. Um, in fact, there was one in our beer league uh two, three years ago, and th- they had a guy on the team we didn't know at the time. We, he was skating with the prosthetic leg, you wouldn't, oh, yeah. you wouldn't know by the, his stride. It wasn't until after the game that he's got his hockey. Bag bagging his prosthetic leg over his shoulder walking out into the parking lot. And they're like, man, he's better than some of our guys. Um, but the, the one thing I've heard from a lot of the guys that I've talked to that are on these warrior teams is it's not just about playing the game and having that outlet to play. It's the locker room for a lot of, you know, these vets that play on yeah. these teams to, 100%. you know, especially for like yourself, it's you've all, for the most part, whether it's a physical or emotional Um, trauma that you've experienced there's only a certain group of people that are going to understand that and they're in that locker room with you and you know in a way it's one of the few places you guys can really be your authentic selves.
1: Yeah no uh, totally 100% because you know as you mentioned the, uh, the, the other service member in that locker room the locker room is a huge thing and uh yeah. you're talking about com- uh, camaraderie you know i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that word right but uh camaraderie is like the biggest thing and it's like you know the uh military cohesive cohesiveness and the cohesion and you it, it kind of brings you back that sense of like hey you're back with your unit you're back with your brothers and sisters you know because in a way like now you have other different branches of service uh all in one locker room and um, my my teammates Rico can like say it the best. It's like everybody started bashing on each other. You know, you got like yeah. Marines making fun of the Army, but then we're looking, for then we're both making fun of the Air Force. Like, you <laughs> know, like just different like the toughness of it and what they did in the military, and and how bad like the Navies are and all these things, and and it just like that continue. You know, like the the trash talk, the chirp in the yeah. lot, and it definitely was like Maggie Field that that you know back that. Hey, you're you're back with those guys. You know, yeah, for sure.
0: So you you play on the U.S. team. How many of those guys on the team are veterans?
1: Yeah, the numbers will go up and down. You know, I think when when we try out at the team, when we try out for the national team back in the twenty ten twenty eleven season, uh, the guys that made it was myself. The guys that made it that was from the military in a way were a veteran. Was myself, Rico Roman, and Paul Schaus. You know, uh, mm-hmm. that was three, and you know. Me and Rico was army, and Paul Shells was a U.S. marine and and more and more later on it kind of just added we had and then just the guys try out and then just able to you know get get a roster or get selected and then you were looking at as high as like about six or seven close to it at one season you know mm-hmm. so it, it's a it's a definitely a a mixed number per season or every time or every four years you know what so but but I say it's a it's still a really great to see that because uh yeah. you know. You know, I re, uh, here I was rehabbing alongside like with Joshua Sweeney, uh, you know, Rico Roman or Luper Dermott, you know, like uh, Ralph de back was from Walter Reed. You know, those are the guys that I kind of mentioned. They were like, you know, was on the, you know, was current or former Paralympic uh, guys on the team, you know, that was Marines and Air Force Army guys, you know, so yeah.
0: Well, and as I look at it, it's just, it's this really cool phase for you guys because you went from defending our country. Now you're representing our country on the national stage and, you know, continuing to make us proud.
1: No, th- thank you. It's, it's definitely in, in a way, um, my teammates, you know, um, the way they describe it the best, you know, they say it's a, it's a different way to represent your country. Yeah, you know, exactly. Where, where we definitely has, you know, a lot of us still had a lot of fight in us. Right. And especially for me where, you know, I definitely wanted to uh, stay in the military but then i knew kind of way uh you know my fight may be over as far as like you know did you know deploy me again back down range to iraq afghanistan or wherever we were at that time mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah now now the enemy is the uh canadians
1: and <laughs> yeah, the canadians and uh sometimes the puck itself where you couldn't even try to handle yes. it us. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah so
0: <laughs> let's talk about actually playing goalie um in sled hockey i and my son asked me this question and it's like, you know, I don't have an answer to it. You know, you only wear one leg pad. Uh, so his question was, do you have to buy the set? Or is there like a special program where you can get the one leg pad? How, how does that work for
1: you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Trust me. I, uh, I tried, <laughs> I tried to be like, Hey, do you do a 50% discount? You <laughs> know, the, right, the right leg pad, you know, I try to go to the, uh, What's the one that's like the used equipment? I forgot what it's called. They have oh, like, play it
0: against sports. Yeah,
1: play against sport. I'm like, I just want one pad. they are like, you got <laughs> know? <laughs> so, no, so you have to pick, uh, um, you got to buy the whole set, but I do use only one leg pad, but you have goalies who have the preference to, uh, to wear two, to wear both mm-hmm. if you want to. So I know the, the, the Russian goalies has, has worn two before the Czech goalies as well. Uh, they're just different, different style. However, and then there's also, uh, Steve Cash, you know, with my a former teammate Steve, where Steve doesn't even wear it, and I started actually not wearing leg pad either. Uh, he because he was wearing a shin shin guards, he was wearing mm-hmm. his shin pads and a sock over. And you know, the guy's about five seven, and he's stopping pucks like left and right. You know what I mean? Like we call him the co- the purple cobras, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: and and you had mentioned earlier that you know you guys still play with the regulation four by six net. Right. Um, I'm sitting here going, okay. I'm an able-bodied goalie, and I still leave an awful lot of net uh, behind me. Oh. If mm-hmm. if I'm now essentially sitting down in a side playing, yeah. there's a lot of net above me. So, you know, how how good are some of these guys at lifting that puck up and over you to where that that does become a concern, or is it really? You know, you yeah, have the nets
1: four feet high, but you really only have to focus on maybe the top two or three feet. No, I mean it's you know if you're looking, if you ask the same, if you ask me the same question like ten years ago, Joe, like I would say, hey, you know, you you get the gist of like how the player is going to shoot where they where they want to place the puck and how they how maybe fancy they wanted to finish and look great for the goal, you know, Kodak, and yeah. all that. But now you're looking, you know, now the the game has evolved so much where. Now they're able to use right hand to left hand. will switch back, right? Because we're you know, in our sport, we have two sticks instead of yeah. one, and we're you know the shot placement are getting even uh, more accurate. The, the shots are coming at you a little bit, you know, more harder, faster, heavier. Yeah, and then you guys, 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 you know, you got guys like Declan Farmer, where he he can go up and down, you know, where he can shoot you wherever, like you leave a little, just a tiny little gap in your hole anywhere, and things like that. So you know, I would say. It is definitely a difficult for them, uh, difficult for us to really understand, like, if, we, if you're just a, a new beginner of this sport and you have, like, someone who can play like Declan Farmer or, you know, you're talking about Tyler McGregor in Canada, uh, you know, those great, skillful, elite guys, then it's it's so hard. It will be hard. It will be tough to uh, stop.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, p- part of me thinks it would be fun to see, you know, one of these you- – elite national teams play against your average beer league team to see, you know, how well would that go for
1: the beer leaguers? I, I have a feeling it'd be a pretty, pretty good game. Well, it, it, believe it or not. So, you know, before we go to camp for our, you know, before we get together as a national team, or even before we even make the national team, uh, we play with our club team, right? So making yeah. about the San Antonio. So we have a, co- a club team. Uh, the San Antonio is just like an all military veteran team. Right. But, you have teams like St. Louis, you got teams like Colorado, you know, you got yeah. teams in the East Coast where they're consist of like different athletes from like, you know, born with disabilities and a military mixture. But at the same time, uh, just like our club team, we have national team too that plays. Mm-hmm. So so in a way we're playing with our guys who, you know, many veteran guys but who are not just like as high level, but they're still great enough to like, hey, we can play a good club game or, yeah. or close to a, a development team level game. And oh man, it's just like it's 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 so much fun out there, though you know, because you're you're just it's a far, totally different dynamic hockey, but it's still yeah. Cool. Well,
0: one of the first times I saw sled hockey was up here at the Super Rink in Minnesota. They have the Hendrickson Foundation. Uh, oh okay, yeah, and and they have a um, uh, celebration every summer, and it's just all kinds of. They use the term adaptive hockey because there's blind mm-hmm. hockey. They got some of the deaf teams that I know Sam Makita is very instrumental in. And uh they it all culminates with a uh, a celebrity game. So you get a lot of um local retired NHLers, Olympians, you know, the Broughton brothers are typically there. Uh but it, it's really cool because you know, it's just free, open to the public. And I, I took my son two years ago and you know, we sat around and watched some of these games. You know, you had, you know, the ones where they're just kids. Where they're somewhere getting pushed around, but then then you had these warrior teams out there, and they were knocking into each other like none other. It's like, ooh, it is brutal out there. Um, yeah, it was yeah, so it's fun to watch point. though.
1: Yeah, some good stuff for sure. I, I think a lot of times, uh, a lot of guys who pick the sport up, at least from the military perspective, is like they, they want to hit. You know, they feel yeah. like uh, <laughs> the ball on ice in a way, or just want to let out let go of their aggression. Uh, aggression. You know where yeah. we going on, yeah. You know, so I think that's like really just a great way. And it, and then you, and then you, and once like and then once you start picking up like a little bit of hockey, it just becomes like so much fun and, and everything. Yeah.
0: Do, do you think it's that ability to actually hit and let out some of that aggression is why you've seen more and more um, injured vets take to the to the sport?
1: Yeah. Uh, hold on, I on, just. Cut off, but I got your question. Sorry, I think we're back, yeah. resuming back. Okay. Yeah, I think, you know, to me, I can't speak for everybody, but at least for myself, you know, even though I was playing in a go-tenning position, um, I felt like there was a way to kind of outlet for me to kind of let out whatever that I couldn't express, maybe uh during, sometimes you're going to have good days and bad days while mm-hmm. rehabbing, right? Or, or yep. just, uh, or even when you went back with your... A significant others or your spouses and i think different things you know and i think just the ice would just have that outlet because also it was also hockey right but if, you know but you couldn't do that if it was like wheelchair basketball people would look at you crazy or or sitting volleyball you know or you know things like that but i think hockey was just such a sense that like uh it definitely for me to to do that and then and then people would just be like oh that's just him lashing out and, and it just it's okay in in a way um mm-hmm. But, but, so I, I believe, you know, like I said, I can't speak for, for everybody, but definitely for sure for myself, uh, that definitely was one of the reasons for me to stay around, you know? (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, and and I can see it because like you said, you know, when you're going through any sort of injury, there's that anger that, you know, Mm -hmm. as you're trying to figure things out, it's like, I know I should be able to do this. My mind's telling me I can do it, but my body's not. And so you get that pent-up anger, and you don't want to take it out on those that are helping you or loving you. And, you know, hockey gives you that chance to do it in a uh, controlled environment. And like you said, nobody look at you like, ooh, <laughs> you need to take it easy there. Yeah. Um, you know, And <laughs> I, I think that's true even for, you know, us, I, I don't like the term able-bodied, you know, hockey players. But, I mean, there's a reason we like to play that game once a week, you know. It, yeah. It calms us down.
1: <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. I definitely has like done drop ins for, you know, able body goat you know, just you know, being in front of the net and then like, you know, stopping pucks at the able body like sticking puck or dropping hockey, you know. Yeah. And, like, especially here, like on a Wednesday, sometimes they have like ten AM like drop ins, like a morning and I just go, you get a good four on four, five on five and these like firefighters, you know, like you know, they would play, you know, yeah. and all these things and <laughs> and then like and then get into one of the guys that's like Maybe I've skated juniors, and everybody played juniors somewhere, and then, like, brings you know dropping gloves. you know? They're fighting. I'm like, oh, my God, like, it's 10 a.m., gentlemen's Wednesday, you know? Yeah, it's yeah.
0: stick and puck, fellas. Calm down.
1: Stick and puck, it, yeah. You know,
0: there's always <laughs> that one guy in the beer league that wants to start fights and everything, and whenever he <laughs> tries um you know starting stuff in our league you know you just hear from both benches like we all have to work in the morning what are you doing
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and I'm thinking like you know some of the guys like uh one fight I saw a guy got like a bruise I'm sure he broke his hand because it was punched. it's like he thought he was still in the NHL AHL or thinking he was watching too much of that and then punching a guy with the helmet on still I'm like that's just totally unnecessary but you know like yeah it, it helps if it helps it helps but uh yep
0: Exactly. Um, so, you know, let, let's get back to the equipment you have, because oh, yeah. for the most part, it is, you know, what I would wear on the ice is kind of what you have. You know, you, you've got the chest protector, you have the gloves. Do you have any modifications to your gloves? And I, ask, cause I I know some of the players kind of have some extra grips on their gloves at times. You know, what about you as a goalie? Do you have anything extra, especially on, you know, kind of the the underside that where i wouldn't have it but do you because you kind of have to go you know a little different to stop those high shots than i do
1: yeah joe like for me it's uh, believe it or not like i'm not a crazy uh high maintenance guy as far as like little stuff to add on and maybe i should maybe that'll help me like (laughs) make more i don't know you know like uh start a couple more games (laughs) but it's just like uh for me it's the 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 basic modification for it is there right for for sled, got us, sled go goaltenders, you know, for us, like we gotta put spikes uh, on our glove side, where it's gonna be, uh, you know, on the the hand side of it, where you can put it down and, and still maneuver or move side to side or forward and back, whereas a skating procedure. And you know, blocker, I have seen teammates and where I've done it before, where you can put spikes around the knuckle area or inside that blocker, you know, where it can help you do a mini extra grip if you want to on the ice if you like. Kind of lay flat down already, and you need to kind of just have a like a power push slide. So I've seen that before. Yeah, um, I have seen different modification as far as like different sticks. How you how do you like your sticks? Some people like it the almost like the regular go-tending sticks, right? Uh, but but it's cut down shorter for their length and, and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's I mine looks almost like a tomahawk stick, right? I think you've seen <laughs> that, and if you look at the yeah. picture. Right. But, but, and it's not st- directly straight or flat. It's going to be a little bit at like a 45 degree angle and whatnot, just to have that angle. And then for me to cover the blocker side a little bit better. Uh, yeah. but I, I, I definitely don't, but like I said, I definitely don't have like the extra padding or all these things. And, uh, sometimes I don't think about it. And then I, until I get hit there, I'm like, I think I should put something there.
0: You know? Yeah. Well, that was me in college. I started wearing a, uh, slash guard on my glove hand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I turned it around because harder shots and everything else. And I was kept getting bruises right here. So I just, yeah, yeah, just went and got a, you know, slash guards that normally you have the plastic up here. I just turned it around and like, boom. And it, it was funny because never really heard other goalies doing that, but you know, as I started being around more high level goalies, I started seeing more and more of them with that, Slash card, just on the glove hand. It's like one of those things none of us really talked about. We all just kind of did on our own. Hmm, interesting. Um, yeah,
1: that's definitely that's a very a creative way to tell, too.
0: Tendy Talk listeners, lately I've been listening to a lot of hockey podcasts, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycons give 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 star reviews. Of the things people point out in their reviews, the three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, and awareness mode. I use my earbuds when I'm mowing the lawn each week. I can't hear the mower, but I can hear the podcast. Go to buyraycon.com THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com THPN to score 15% off. By com slash THPN. Yeah. So, you know, you start playing sled hockey as part of your rehab, but next thing you know, you're pulling on the USA sweater and you're representing our country at the Olympics. Uh, How did that happen?
1: Yeah, totally. That definitely wasn't part of the plan, right? You know, like, (laughs) no, no one says, like, Especially for people who enlisted or served, and you know, like put their right hand up, like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to defend my country." Also, maybe this, if it doesn't pan out, I'll play be in the Paralympics, right? So, uh, those things were definitely one. I would say just one journey, one chapter at a time, you know. Um, yeah, could be, I think the most important for me at that time was just to like, hey, find an outlet, find a therapeutic reason for, it. and I fell in love with the sport. Then, afterwards, it was not just about playing for fun and playing competitively. Uh, along with other guys that really wants to take this game at the next level. So like guys, again, mentioned like Rico Roman, you know, Joshua Sweeney, uh, Luke McDermott, um, you know, Josh Hargis, like a lot of those guys that play at one of, you know, Chris Leverkun too, uh, they want to play, you know, they want to win. And I think that was the biggest thing is that we all have this competitive edge to want to win and want to be better. So like, it wasn't just about hitting anymore. It wasn't just like getting on the ice and know how to shoot with the one hand. It was about learning the concept of the game. And, and then so uh from that, after we, you know, we kind of established a little bit of that. And then our coach Lonnie Hannah at that time, he, he was already on the national team, but he does come back and coach us uh on his own time. Right. And, and that's when he was just like, man, like, there's a good shot, like three, three or four of you should go try out and, and then try out for the team. Just never know. And that was the thing. It's just like, Hey, you know, you got nothing to lose. Uh, the, the national team just got back, just got back from a 2010 Olympic games, Paralympic games at that time. It was a off year. It was going to be an off, se- uh, you know, following season and whatnot. And, uh, so we went a trial and then though I know, they, they, they picked me up to be one of the goalies, you know, and, um, had no idea where that's going to take off and then bam.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know, so you, you make the team, you get to go to some cool countries. What was that uh, Olympic experience like for you? Uh, you know, you, you get to walk into the stadium for the the ceremony. What do they call it? The parade of nations. You you get to you know be there with these elite Paralympians.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a a surreal experience. For, that's for sure. Something that was like everything was happening so fast, right? Like part of that thing, you you know, you mentioned we get able to travel different countries. So like for the first time, like, uh you know, not only I'm representing something that's really important, right? Which is our nation, our country, yeah. but we get sent to these other countries. We go play in Canada, right? And then Canada, uh, they take their hockey very seriously up there, you know? So sled hockey was no, you know, no different. You know, yeah. like whenever it's, us against Canada and one of these like local, uh you know, international, not a world championship or well, not a paralympic, but like a like you know, international matches and it's playing for the gold, it's playing for the first place, right? Rag and rice, however you wanna call it. Um they put it on the T S N. You know, they put our yeah. our game on T S N. We're everywhere and bam, the next thing you know, like uh we're I'm walking in the opening ceremony in Russia and Sochi, along with the teammates that I rehab with and, and try out and make the team along with uh, my, you know sixteen other teammates on the u s a team and then on the the bigger platform, now you're talking about other athletes all as well, so it was just definitely something that like you know you just felt like, wow like you know you you have something and you went for it, and then um but you know like what it takes to to get there, you know right you no. just, mm-hmm.
0: that that's awesome, and not only that but you've come home with some gold medals. Uh, so that, that's got to feel pretty good too. So the question is, um, where do you keep the gold medals?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's, I'm pretty chillax about it. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be cause they had, it has gotten stolen already once, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> normally it's like around, it's like a computer drawer. I have like a little display. Uh, it's like right there. And then, because just in case people do ask and then throughout the years, I really thought, Oh, maybe, maybe it dies down. If, I know I won't. People won't ask for the medal, but no, there's always something that, be like, hey, bring your medal, the display, showcase it. So I just have it right there as a, a you know, it's a reach. You
0: know. I, I've heard of so many uh, Olympians who've won a medal and they keep it in a sock for some reason. It's just, they're always like, oh, it's in a sock in my sock drawer. Um, yeah. It's like, okay, so if, if I were to ever win an Olympic medal, I better get myself uh a fancy sock for it,
1: you know, <laughs> I definitely put it somewhere in a cloth. I, I think a sock. I, I, I definitely have tried that in the once before too, like something, a fancy sock. Yeah. Yeah. To, it, and you
0: <laughs> you alluded to it. I mean, you made national news when somebody broke into your car to steal your backpack that happened to have your medals in there. Yeah. I mean, when you came back to your car and saw that the backpack was gone. I mean, what were you thinking? Like,
1: Oh, I definitely my heart sank or whatever you would call it, stomach dropped. I don't know what the the right terminology of it was, but like um, first thing I noticed when, once I was walking back to my to my car, and um, you know I drive a Tesla, so I get a notification, right? Like they, they they're so high tech. So, that, so prior to the so part of the part of even getting to the garage or getting to my car, we got a notification say, hey, your alarm has been going uh going off for the last five minutes, and you know all these things, and I'm just thinking, oh, maybe just someone bumped into it or, or whatever. But when I saw the car and then walked with approach on my door side, the driver's side, and saw the window shatter behind uh, the driver's side, which is the passenger seat. And I kind of was, like, sensing, like, oh, my gosh, like, I really hope it's not the bag with the medals in it. And, you know, sure enough, it was. And, And I think that time, it was just, like, one of those, like, you know, you feel a little bit stupid for what happened. But at the same time, it's almost like, like, gosh, you know, like. Like, what are the odds that it happened? What are the odds that, like, yeah. all the vehicles that yours gets broken into? And, and and for me, it's just, like, it wasn't just really kind of nonchalant about. Like, I have, I have, like, my my car windows are tinted. You know, I have the car for a couple years now. And I actually even put the, because uh, the windshield was pretty big on the Model 3. So I have the windshield uh, sunblock, too. So you can't really see what's in there, you know? So right, it's, one of those things is crazy. It was, like, yes, yeah, it's, just like, a lucky snatch and grab by this guy. I don't know, you know?
0: <laughs> well, and how fortunate that you did have a Tesla that because of the technology, the right. cameras on the the mirror yes. recorded this guy breaking into your car and it got such a good picture
1: of him. Oh they God. were able
0: to to catch him and find your medals.
1: Yeah, to- totally cuz I'm not kidding like the couple of days prior earlier that week um I noticed my my storage space cuz for the Tesla like to record all these things like the yeah. action footage, like you got to have a memory space. So, I have like a you know, a, a thumb drive in there, and it was almost full. So, I, I actually took the time out because you got to take it out of the car, you got to put it on the computer. It's a pain in the neck, it can be. And I cleared it, you know, and luckily I did that, and they were able to capture it, uh, able to get catch the guy, you know, right there, you know, with the with the face, uh, yeah, recognition, all that good thing. So, uh, next thing I know, I just I was kind of telling my bu- my friends, and everyone that in San Antonio what I can do. And uh, they were like, you got to put this on social media and put it on, yeah. the, outlet, on the news outlets and then let, let it go viral because it's not just a regular things I got broken into. It's your medals, Jen is your medals.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah it, and fortunately they were able to find
0: them. Where did, where did they turn up? You know, did, did the guy try taking them to a pawn shop? Well, you know, where did they find them?
1: Yeah. So it was crazy. So like, um, you know, when it happened, the thing went viral, and then it got retweeted and everything else, right? So everybody started getting involved. And next thing you know, like the San Antonio Police Department, uh, uh, the sheriff, the U.S. marshal, and I even heard about maybe like possibly FBI. <laughs> you know, like, you know, you might as well call the National Guard. You know, I don't know. What like. they all, yeah. They all got involved. The chief of police. Yeah, chief of police. Uh, chief McMahon was like, no, this is unacceptable. And then, you know, he was using like the camera technology and the city that they installed for like facial recognition. And I guess it got to the point where it got really heated. you know this became a very t- uh, trending topic and the guy uh they found the backpack at first it was dumped somewhere in the parking lot and by the theater where I parked and mm-hmm. they found the backpack the, the the wife and the husband called it in says, "Hey, we have a backpack but then realized uh, this empty backpack is where the scene was so I was like, "Oh shoot, you know we're getting close you know that was like day two and then yeah. and then three days later um they, they say, Hey, they got a notification. They called me two days later, actually. They were like, Hey, we found your, we found the, the bag that has contains your, uh, medals in it. And I was like, Oh, where was it? And it was like, Oh, it was dropped off with a note at a police, sta- uh, at a fire station, at a fire station. Yeah. So, uh, I guess the guy realized, Oh my God, he has messed up or he was like, Oh gosh, it's too much. So he decided yeah. to, to give it back, you know, and then uh, left a note says, I, I think I messed up or something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So knowing that, I mean, do you have a message
0: for him and his? I doubt he's listening to the the podcast, but you know, if you were able to talk to him, you know, what what would you say to him?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they they asked me this too prior. You know, when I was when the uh, the the news outlet media was asking, you know, we're doing an interview and they try to get their story, we're trying to get my story. I'm sorry. And I just say, hey, I just want my backpack. I mean, I don't care about the backpack. You can keep whatever there's in there. I think there was a book in there. It was, a, you know, head, uh iPod or all these th- uh, things. But I was like, I just want the medals, you know. And, and I understand, like, the time was tough or what was going on, you know. And, and mm-hmm. everyone has different ways to make their, you know, ends meet and whatnot. But, uh, you know, the medal is definitely worth is more than just what it is, right? It's, it's yeah. memories, Is all the things that, that we kind of – um, has, has trained for, has fight for, has, you know, all these things. So I, I didn't care about the rest of all these things. And then in, in, in a way, uh, I'm just very fortunate to get it back, you know. Yeah. No, it's, and I mean. But sorry, the microphone. Sorry, the microphone again. Yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah on my microphone it keeps popping out and oh I don't know. There, it is. there you are yeah.
1: um
0: so but how fortunate that you just happen to be driving a tesla and not a honda or a Ford that wouldn't record this you know it, there's it's yeah. kind of
1: yeah that, that series of
0: yeah events. and i think
1: and i think these are type of like these type of energy and all these things right we uh i think i think more and more i i play the position the, the go-tenning position the more you understand like sometimes it's not about, you know, the go to me, not just about like what you do on the ice and, and what, what works for you to, and then like, what do you learn from like the the coaching of it or the, the aspect of the game? Sometimes it has a lot of more of a spiritual involved, um, uh, as in your game as well, where it may help you grow or understand the game concept better in a different way, or then it makes you maybe see the game better in different ways, you know? And yeah. I think, and then I think that time, it just make, um, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say, Oh, it makes sense, but it's just like, Oh man, like these things happened for, for a reason where a lot of people may not understand it, but like, for me, like I understood why, you know, and and, and I'm just glad that, that it worked out in a way in my favor, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. It's one of those things, you know, there, there's those times where you just go, things happened for a reason. Um, and you, you don't question them. It, you know, it it reminds me when I was in college, I went to Catholic school my whole life. And, uh, very much like the scene from the movie Rudy where he's in the church and the, the priest goes, there's two things I'm certain of in life. There is a God and I'm not him. And uh, I, I had a similar situation when I was in college. One of the brothers was talking to me. He goes, you know, you just, you got to look up at the night sky and then tell me there's not a God. You know, because, mm. there. It, but it's it's one of those things where there's a greater power just making sure things work out in some crazy way.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it just, it's so, it, it, cause it really is. It, it just, and it goes back to like, how did, you know, I even end up playing hockey again, or, you know, how, or in the yeah. position, And and and, and then, then there's the story behind of like, it wasn't just bread and butter the whole way to making, you know, like making the Sochi team, the roster, and then afterwards making it the, for the PyeongChang Chain 2018. And then, and then this whole thing about how I became a starter in 2022, you know, so it's like a way of different ways of like, Everything happens for a reason, but a lot of those things sometimes are, are uh, we call it failures or mm-hmm. challenges, and that kind of can bring you down and bring you down for a while, but you have to learn how to kind of overcome it, and it's, it's just almost like uh, getting scored on, right, and in a big game or things like that, and how do you move forward, or even playing a, uh, you know, didn't, didn't happen to win the game, and, and, you know, based on your mistakes and how you able to overcome that and bounce back the next day.
0: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned, you know, it's it's failures and how you move forward. I, I think I was listening to the In Goal podcast, and they were talking about um, Mitch Korn evaluating mm-hmm. a young goalie. Mm-hmm. And this goalie just had a terrible game. Um, and Mitch said something along the lines of, you know, I learned more about that goalie and the way he persevered through that bad game than if he would have had a good game. Uh, you'll learn more about people in their their downtime than you do their good times. So there, totally. there's a, a lot to that. Now, I'm, I'm looking at the time. We've been talking a while, so I I, I want to be mindful of that. Oh. I end every episode with a list of 10 questions. Um, I, I've stopped calling them rapid-fire questions because they tend to lead to more fun stories. But they're the same questions I've asked every single goalie from the Bantam goalie all the way up to Stanley Cup. Hall of Fame goalies. Sure. Um, so it's fun to see how they, they go. And the first one is, what's the craziest coaching moment from
1: your playing days where a coach just lost it? Wow. Um, I think I think for me, it's, it's when, I think it's like earlier in the years, in the season. Uh, I mean, I'm, when I was playing like my first, second year on the team um, and then we had, you know, we had different head coaches changes, but at that time we were playing under Coach uh, Maluda, Ray Maluda, and you know he he just say uh, he's up a little bit more. He played in the former uh, pro league in the past, um, and then um, so he just has that that expiring the trend, you know. And I never really mm-hmm. to, like deal with that as far as like that kind of explosiveness goes, you know, especially in the hockey round. So I just yeah. uh, like a one of those like we had a pretty okay game, and then like the next practice, the next morning went to practice, and then like it just uh, it wasn't like. Exactly how they want, how you want it, how the coaching staff want it. and he just lost it <laughs> and we up. Like I was just like, "Wow, this is my first time experiencing that." You know, like everyone was like, "Oh, you know, this is cool, crazy crap and all these things." I'm just like, "Wow, this is pretty cool," you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that
0: that's funny. So, yeah. what is your favorite all-time goalie mask?
1: Um, are you talking about more like the NHL guys, or or any mask, or at this any part? mask, any mask? Man, I mean, like, how I even drew into the playing goalie in the position is really like it was like dominant Dominic of Chris Osgood's, like where they're just their case yeah. was just different, you know, compared to others, you know. And then like that itself it just stood out. It didn't. It, it wasn't like the painting or the picture or the graphics. It was like that way it just looked different. And, and then they play like you know they were pretty much, you know, own the ice, you know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah. they're at a different level too. So um, I think th- those are the maps that really stood out to me, at least that got me into wanting to play in goalie as well.
0: Yeah, and I like that you mentioned Osgood. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. I'm a Blackhawks oh, fan yeah. saying that. He belongs in the Hall of Fame, and people that try and say, well, look at the teams in front of him, I hate wow. that ex- explanation because hardly ever does a great team with an okay goaltender win the Stanley Cup um it's yeah. happened like this year it happened the mm. the Hawks in 2010 with Ante Niemi. it happened but yeah. you need a good goaltender and, and that's why if you're you know Osgood's not in there you got a guy like Corey Crawford who probably won't make it in the Hall of Fame even though he's got almost identical numbers to Henrik Lundqvist who yeah. will probably be a first ballot Hall of Famer it's like yeah Osgood he, he belongs in there
1: yeah um, and it, it's crazy how you mentioned that because like I never, I mean, it's, we do talk about that stuff, but like people take that as like, like, you know, the goaltender absolutely did not do anything or, or, you know what I mean? Or or the, the, the the time that preseason start to like all the way to the, you know, mid season. and then like through, you know, like different, you know, there's going to be time, there's going to be teams that, Hey, they had their ups and downs or injuries in the battle. Right. We stepped up and play that. And then to, to help, you know, keep in the first place or in the playoffs, all these things, you know, punch the card. To, you know, so, you know, I, I feel like it's um, so totally unfair to do that sometimes that we get that. It criticism. is.
0: And at yes. the at the same time, some of these great teams are great because of that goalie. Uh, right. y- you hear it all the time about Grant Fuhrer and how the Oilers knew that they could let in five or six goals. You know, they didn't um, care because they knew gonna... Grant was going to stop the ones they needed when it mattered. And he right. did, and that allowed them to play a looser style of open game. Yeah. But Ooh. if they didn't trust their goalie, if they didn't think he was good enough, they wouldn't have played that loose open style game that allowed them to score all those goals. Exactly. And that's where the good goalies make that difference, is they allow that those teams to take those chances to play a riskier game because they know if they cough the puck over and there's a turnover or an odd man rush, yeah. they're good back there. Yeah. It, it makes a big difference. When I was coaching high school hockey, we saw it all the time. There's, you know, one or two kids, when we had to give them their few starts a year, we played different. We played a much more defensive game because of that. But when we put our number one goalie in, it was a completely different game. The guys had confidence, so they, they tried those stretch passes. They sure. they tried those dangles. And, you know, because they knew if, if it didn't work out, they had them behind you. Yeah. 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 Um, so Mm -hmm. so next question what's your favorite rink that you've played at
1: favorite rink wow I would say got the chance to play a lot of a lot of different rink sizes you know so I would like if you want to start like the the world championship first or whatnot like at that level first I would say Czech Republic Uh, I think you know Strava uh, you know prior to the COVID they they held like the world championship there and Mm -hmm. um, oh my gosh it was just Loud, they was just loud, and they love their hockey. They and, yeah. and you know, they, they have fireworks, they had ice girls. and I was like, This is crazy! i a sled hockey game, and it's just like nuts, you know. Um, <laughs> and then and then and then you have Russia, uh, in Sochi, when we're playing, you know, uh, in that Paralympic and the, the Olympic size rinks, you have like, uh, you know, we're playing gold medal against Russia, so it's like Russia versus US again, and then um, you know, you had like. President of that was watching the game, and you know it was just like a different sense yeah and 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 then um then you're looking at um, uh, north America, Canada, I will say like calgary calgary and, and like Nova scotia, like they you know every time you go up there and play, you definitely have like really good good uh crowds and everything else, yeah, so
0: mm-hmm. that's awesome and to to play in Russia with Putin in the house had to have been um, quite an experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was nuts. It was nuts that you can see him, like, right there at the sweet level, and there he's looking on, you know, like.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, and to win the game and probably just see his anger in his eyes had to make it even better, kind of the,
1: you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, it's. You know, I I don't want to, I mean, it's a whole story. You can do a whole podcast about that, right? You know, you have to, (laughs) uh, there's like a documentary came out. It's called like Incurious or Incurious about what happened in Sochi or like about Athens. And then, um, yeah, there's like, uh, and then supposedly we, uh, the head coach of the rushing team that time, I don't, or, or some, one of the coaching staff, like disappear then? you know, after the Sochi loss, it was just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You kind of question, like, what happened? And it, yeah, yeah, different things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so th- this is a question that
0: I'm really interested to hear your response because you do play sled hockey. What's your favorite stick that you've
1: ever used? Favorite stick? Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, we don't get that much, like, you know, our sticks are like, uh, Henmei where man, um, we made it ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we actually make our sticks from scratch. So if you want to say what was the best stick I ever made, I, I think it was uh, my boy who was a combat engineer, uh, Sean Sameski. He had his crazy MacGyver engineering and about like how to reinforce my hockey sticks stronger because just kept getting broken. You know? I was just like, hey man, like every, every camp or every like, you know, two camps, it will break a bunch of sticks. And he was like, that's it. We're gonna try to figure this out, and, uh, and, and he came out with this concept. He was like, "It's still gonna be like we're gonna only add just a little bit of like ounces of weight, but nothing too crazy." And uh, and I think that's that's pretty much my answer.
0: <laughs> that, that's awesome. Yeah, um, you, you're starting to see more of the manufacturers, though. So focus a little bit on at least the player six for sled hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the blades, you know, at first I was like, what kind of goofy blade is this? Then it dawned on me, he's like, oh, these are sled hockey blades.
1: Yeah. I always say as a, as a regular players, like not non-goatenders, like their sticks has evolved or has, uh, you know, changed a lot quite a bit from uh, used to be wooden sticks. Right now you have like the, the carbon fiber, the composite, and all like the, the more hollow, and got a little bit more angles in, in the band of it yeah. as well. Uh, I think Warriors, uh, Easton used to pick it up, but I think now Warriors, is like the main company that makes the sticks. And, uh, and and I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like uh, some of these guys, uh, some of our top guys, Jack Wallace, Brody, um, you know, like they use these, you know, these high caliber sticks that, you know, does make a difference in their shots and, and how yep. the cuts come out. Yeah. How it gets released. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, because you got your start playing roller hockey, I think this question still pertains. What's your favorite youth hockey memory?
1: Wow, yeah, my favorite youth uh, hockey memory was we had the parking wreck like a like a bash, you know, where the seventh eighth grader um, wanted to puffed your chest. It's like, hey, we're better than like this like these PE teacher like go you know, and then there were like a bunch of staff members like uh, PE staff, a volunteer stand that plays hockey, like adults. So like we had like a little battle, you know, and like, yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, like, uh, they asked me to go ten, uh, and, you know, for both sides. They were like, "Hey, we're gonna have one game. We're gonna want Lee to play for us, and Lee, and then Lee play for us, and then it makes a difference." You know, they were trying to say, "Oh, lead makes a difference." Yeah, and then like it went to like game five, you know, like 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 a little series we had, and it was supposed to be like <laughs> just as simple as like maybe one or two games, but it was just That's like, so "Oh, awesome. I win one for them, I will lose one." And I'm like, "Hey, I put <laughs> tight." Nit gains, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. So, what is the best chirp you heard on the ice, off the ice, directed at you, not directed at you? I, I'm assuming there's probably been some good ones.
1: Oh man, I mean, I, I think I think those things are like the, the chirp I got from it's. It's really I don't know. I I, I normally try to like face the mouth, so I'm trying to remember like what they say. But I, I think it's just like oh, I think the best one was like um uh, you know. My first 10 seasons, you know, I'm not going to lie, like I don't play, I don't even play much. You know, I had like, you know, Steve Cash were, you know, considered as one of the best goalie, you know, of what he does in the, front of the net. And um so whenever actually actually get the, ten, the time to play or chance to play in front of like uh, a higher or better team like Canada or Russia and all these things. And and then you see some of the guys, like, oh, they finally put you in, huh? You know, like, oh, it's going to be... A- gonna be like a swiss cheese you know it's gonna be like a christmas lights all day you know things like that yeah i kind of just chuckle i'm like yep here i am you know so (laughs) here we go yeah
0: (laughs) well and to get politically incorrect when, when you have a bunch of people with disabilities together they get vicious with each other about each other's disability where if anybody without a disability could said this we would be canceled in a heartbeat but i i've I've noticed when i've been around some people with disabilities they they are ruthless with each other but it's one of those they can say it we can't
1: (laughs) yeah there's definitely no holds no holds bar in in our uh in in our hockey community or (laughs) hockey world as well you know (laughs) yeah Yeah. so
0: what is the worst post-game beer you've had
1: what's the worst uh again sorry Worst post game beer. Oh man. Worst post game beer. I would I would say I would hate to say it but like it's not not actually not like I go up there a lot and I would say it's you know it's a it's a all right city in uh Rochester, New York, you know, I'm not gonna say which bar, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh I had like sometimes it was just like uh, one time I had like a g uh a beer there but it was just flat. Oh that what that was it. And I was just like you know and we yeah. just lost we just lost beer tastes like crap i was just like yeah you know we're here flat, this is the reason why we're here
0: <laughs> flat beer will ruin it that's yeah. for sure yeah um i don't even know if this this one might pertain to you because you, you do have kind of that franken stick going on but when you tape your stick do you go heel to toe or toe to heel
1: Ooh, definitely uh heel to toe yeah okay
0: you yeah. are in the majority there okay. um So when you play, what's your favorite
1: number to wear and why? Um, My favorite number is 32 because that was like my high school. My high school number was between uh, 32 and 34. And but the 34 was Stevie, so 32 was like the next number. They gave me like number one. Oh, that's the worst. That's like a bad omen number. I don't like that.
0: Yeah. I'm with you. I When I have the few times I've had to wear number one, it's like I don't feel like I've got anything on my back. Uh, I, yeah. I got to feel like I have a number. So I feel like I'm part of the team. And number one, it's just, you don't feel. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't feel. It's, I definitely I feel like it's very, very individual. Uh, you know, why it's not only just an odd number a single number, but it's like, you just feel like you got it. Like, uh, I couldn't do that.
0: No. Yeah. No, absolutely. And the last question What advice do you have for
1: young goalies? Yeah. I would say young goaltenders, you know, um, when you're. To me, it's like, if you're at a, at a point in take where you feel comfortable, great. You know, it's always good to feel comfortable, but there's going to be a lot of uncomfortable or a lot of different things still going to thrown at you. Um, no matter what level or where you play, right? You can be Mm -hmm. at a younger goaltending level, but play at a high caliber school, academy and whatnot, or maybe a little bit, a little bit down in a different, different state or city where the, the hockey is not that great, but you're like the best goalie out there, you know, so. I think, I think the, the biggest uh, words of advice is, uh, try to be learn how to, or prepare for a lot of different uncomfortable scenarios ahead of you.
0: Well, and I I think that's just good advice for life too, because, you know, Mm, we all like to think life is, could be nice and comfortable and happy, but it's not all roses and sunshine. Right. Right. You know, um, so where can folks follow you on, on social media if they want to? And, uh, Follow your journey.
1: Yeah, uh, it's not much, you know, but it's 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 something that we we got. I uh, for me, it's the IG Instagram. It's at Horatius, H uh, O R A Y underscore shus, and then uh, you have Facebook as well. Horatius Jin Lee, uh, Twitter. Uh, it's like live of L A W uh, Lone Wolf. <laughs> so so silly. and then uh, yeah, and then that's just kind of like um, a way to kind of really. Get connected, stay connected with with everyone who's uh has been following our team, has been following our our journey, and everything else. And I really appreciate uh for everyone who's been a fan or continue to be a fan and, and new fans as well to come.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to chat with me and you know, be a part of the podcast. It's been fun getting to uh know you a little bit. And I tell every guest this if, if, uh, Life brings you through the Twin Cities. Let me know. We'll, we'll get a beer together.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely needs to go up there uh, quite often, you know. So, love to get back to Minnesota. Definitely hit you up. Yeah, a- absolutely. Well, again, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: What a cool conversation that was with Jen. I know without a doubt that I could not play goal to the level that he does if I were in the same situation. I have a hard enough time as it is staying on my own two feet. Can you imagine having to stop pucks while in a sled? I sure can't. Be sure to follow Jen on Instagram at H-O-R-A-Y underscore S-H-U-S and on Twitter at Life of A-L-W. I'm going to try something new for some of my upcoming episodes and broadcast them live on YouTube, so keep an eye out on YouTube to see if you can catch the actual recordings. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, which should be starting up again here pretty soon, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some wash-up goalie or tendy talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on the website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of Hockey Relay Podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many lists here, but shows like the Pucks In Deep podcast, the Dump and Change podcast, and the World Hockey Report podcast can all be found. If you're looking for something good to read, get yourself a subscription to the Vintage Tendy magazine. Published quarterly, the magazine takes a deep dive into an 80s and 90s era goalie. In the first five issues, they've covered Felix Potvin, Grant Fuhrer, Tim Shevelday, Jocelyn Tebowl, Ken Reggett, John Van Beesbroek. And episode 20 guest, mask painter Don Strauss. I need to thank the band The Sambonis for allowing me to use their music on my episodes. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. And as always, I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand new to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy talk. So, until next time, keep yours. Stick on the ice and your body square to the puck.